welcome. This is the Muffy Drake Podcast, and I'm your host, Bobo. I live in a zoo in Paris, Paris, where this outfit is sort of based out of. This episode, however, isn't confined to that towering city of lights. This episode would like to explore with you those borders beyond Bordeaux. Wherever you live, you no doubt find yourselves stuck smack dab in the middle of a situation that compels you to feel the pulse of the planet. You know, sort of touch the forehead of Mother Earth and see if she's got a temperature because, let me tell you, if Mama ain't happy, ain't ain't nobody gonna be happy. Trust me on that. I guess we all collectively, whether we like it or not, form a sort of global society, a society that can be what we make of it, small or great. For a century, we labored to settle and to subdue a continent. For half a century, we called upon unbounded invention and untiring enders to create an order of plenty for all of our people. The challenge of the next half century is whether we have the wisdom to use that wealth to enrich and elevate our national life and to advance the quality of our American civilization. Your imagination and your initiative and your indignation will determine whether we build a society where progress is the servant of our needs or a society where old values and new visions are buried under unbridled growth. For in your time, we have the opportunity to move not only toward the rich society and the powerful society, but upward to the great society. mentioned, research has shown that it would be unwise to downplay the consequences. For multiple reasons, society has evolved and gone through so many transfigurations and mutations that people have lost their bearings. Yes, I agree. Sozialveränderung, as they say in German. And the statistics, as you suggest, show that people, especially young people, suffer from a deep sense of angst, Bauhaus, and Weltschmerz, because the... Yes, it's part of the zeitgeist to want to escape the harsh reality and feel wonderless. Absolutely. Nowadays, whenever another world temperature record is broken in Death Valley, some people actually fill up their gas tanks and drive out there. I see. Your pickup truck has Maine license plates. Did you drive all the way from Maine just to be here? Yeah, we're from Thorndike, Maine. 
We decided to take a road trip with the dogs and the family. My wife and I lost our jobs anyway. To AI? AI? Artificial intelligence? Well, I don't know about that, but, but now there's plenty of jobs that's done by computers, robots, and whatnot. So instead of staying at home to watch TV, we came down here. It took us three days. Say, honey, will you look after the guns in the truck? I'll go and try and find the kids when I'm done with this interview. So let me get this straight, it's going to take you six days in all just to spend a few hours here in the scorching heat. Do, do you see any connection between burning fossil fuel in your truck and the heat here and the aptly named Death Valley? No, just three days, like I said. Wait, now that you mention it, we gotta get back to Thorndike, don't we? Because me and my brothers are going hunting next weekend and three and three is, um... Six. Whatever. But we got AC in the truck. Well, thank God for that. Back to our panelists now. And as you say, there are stark differences in behavioral patterns from one socioeconomic category to the next. But man needs to experience the limits of his world. There is no spot on earth that has not been explored. The slightest brook, veil, hill, wood, or glade has been perfectly charted. Every mountain has been climbed. Every ocean has been crossed. Wherever a ship can sail, a man has been. Wherever a plant can be trod upon, a man has set foot. Wherever a tree can be felled, a man has come with a chainsaw. Yet there are still some areas on the ocean bed that no one has ever been to. Yes, but man has not failed to leave his mark there too. You're right. Plastic, plastic everywhere. If we look back in time, when they became tired of being hunter-gatherers, prehistoric nomadic groups decided to settle, and they started to shape the earth to their requirements. Yes, and every tree was considered an object of farming, an enemy of the state. Absolutely. And there was no such thing as pollution. Actually, there wasn't even a word for pollution. It was coined in the 14th century. Really? That's appalling. Man has lived with it knowingly since the 14th century, instead of fighting it. But back to farming. Farms started to sprawl as trees and even forests were chopped down one after the other. Men became sedentary and relied on cultivating crops and raising domesticated animals for food production. But some men kept pets because they needed them for psychological reassurance in order to better cope with the hostile environment. Yes, that's true. I once knew a caveman, I think his name was Org, or Marg, or Gurk. I can't remember. Anyway, he had a pet ostrich. All his buddies wanted to eat it. Yeah, sure. Everyone knows someone who had had an unusual pet back then. By the way, did you know that the eye of an ostrich weighs more than its brain? Really? Joining us now in the studio is Nancy Strathio. Hi, Nancy. Hello! Nancy, our listeners may have noticed that I didn't offer you to take a seat because, well, 
You're an ostrich, Nancy, and you told us you'd be happy just to stand there with a lapel mic fastened to your neck with duct tape. I don't have all day, you know. Right. Sorry, Nancy. If, if you knew another world temperature record was broken in Death Valley, would you go there? Of course not. What a silly question. Because you don't drive? No, because it's plain to see that man has been destroying the planet because of neoliberal capitalism that has been plundering finite resources and throwing carbon up in the atmosphere, especially by burning fossil fuel. All because of greed. Joseph Stieglitz, you've heard of Joseph Stieglitz, haven't you? I have, Nancy. Joseph Stieglitz, who won the Nobel Prize for Economics, says that capitalism is simply not interested in the environment, nor in social inequalities, nor in the quality of public education, nor in the quality of public health care. Personally, I think neoliberal capitalism actually feeds on the environment and social inequalities. It's designed like that. And Nancy? Remember when George Bush said the American way of life is not up for negotiation, period. Well, I think that's downright wrong and irresponsible. But actually, it all started with Milton Friedman and the Chicago Boys. When they... Thank you, Nancy, but we're running out of time. Back to our panelists. But more precisely, what I'm saying is that both perspicacious and thoughtless or nearsighted political decisions have been made over the years. And the problem is... I do drive, by the way. I drive a solar-powered... Maserati, and yes, it's a drop top. People are constantly asking me, how can you drive it? You know, being an ostrich and all. Well, duh, it's a convertible. Human nature is a force so strong that it can destroy nature itself and wipe out all of humankind in the process, of course. And when it comes to regulations to protect the environment, there are no checks and balances. I agree. Greenpeace, Just Stop Oil, and Extinction Rebellion were created far too late. The word pollution was coined in the 14th century, but the manifestation and the substantiation of humankind's environmental awareness is very recent. It began, albeit slowly, in the 1970s. The Limits to Growth, also known as the Meadows Report, was released in 1972. It challenges the possibility of economic and population growth with a finite supply of resources. Yes, the researchers simulated the consequences of the interactions between the Earth and human systems, and the report went unnoticed. Oddly enough. It was stifled, very thick feet under, but it had returned to altars like a ghost, rising from the dead to secret winds. A telling image. Now we know for sure what those consequences are, don't we? By the way, and I'm taking a quick tangent here, Donella Meadows was a woman. Oh, I thought it was Dennis Meadows. There was Dennis, and there was Donella. And Donella was a woman. Why do you say that? 
Remember Eric Idle in the life of Brian? I want to become one. Oh, I wasn't aware that you say, do you have time for a drink when we're done with this? Where was I? Yes, yes. The report concludes that without substantial changes in resource consumption, quote, the most probable result will be a rather sudden and uncontrollable decline in both population and industrial capacity, unquote. Since 1972, the only substantial change in resource consumption is that it has skyrocketed. Right. The fossil fuel lobbies have done a remarkable job, haven't they? Hats off to them. Oh, oh, gas masks off. No, best to keep them on, actually. Joining us now in the studio is Mitch Simons, who's a climate scientist who has co-authored dozens of reports of the IPCC, which governments have been ignoring despite the fact that the latest ones are written in the blood of climate scientists from all over the world. Mitch, thanks for being with us on the show. Is it fair to say that extreme temperatures, freak landslides, uncontrollable forest fires, and tragic, devastating floods are the new norm? Hell no! Certainly not the new norm! Things are nowhere near stabilizing as long as we're still burning fossil fuel. The global situation is getting worse day after day, and it'll just get worse until we stop oil and gas. And yet, when it comes to oil and gas, not only drilling but exploration is still underway. And some governments are still providing financial support to oil companies. For example, in the summer of 2023, the Conservative government in the United Kingdom gave out dozens of licenses to oil companies so they could keep on drilling in the North Sea. Meanwhile, in Uganda, the French company Total launched a major project to drill oil and push it through a 1,000-mile heated pipeline through three nature sanctuaries all the way to the coast of Tanzania, right in the middle of a marine wildlife... Mitch, you okay? Mitch? Here, drink some water. No, 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 no. Not that glass. That's mine. This one. There you go. What is it, Mitch? If it's your heart, show me one finger. No, no, not that finger. What's wrong with you? Got it. It's not your heart. If it's respiratory because of the pollution, uh, shut one eye. Got it. It's P-I-R-D, pollution-induced respiratory distress. You have your medication with you? No? Okay. And stop giving me the finger, will you? It's annoying. Stop Stop Someone call an ambulance. Acute pollution-induced respiratory distress. The Great Society is a place where every child can find knowledge to enrich his mind and to enlarge his talents. It is a place where leisure is a welcome chance to build and reflect 
not a feared cause of boredom and restlessness. It is a place where the city of man serves not only the needs of the body and the demands of commerce, but the desire for beauty and the hunger for community. It is a place where man can renew contact with nature. It is a place where men are more concerned with the quality of their goals than the quantity of their goods. You'll be fine, Mitch. The ambulance will be here any minute. They'll have oxygen for you. Do you have your credit card? Good. Thank you so much for being with us on the show. Yes, up yours too, Mitch. Take care. So let us, from this moment, begin our work so that in the future men will look back and say, it was then, after a long and weary way, that man turned the exploits of his genius to the full enrichment of his life. Thank you. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Muffy Drake Podcast, and I'm your host, Bobo. <laughs> and I'd like to think I have a rather unique perspective on this uh, whole cloth, wet blanket, scorched earth, global warming, climate changing situation man has gotten us into. My thoughts are, if you don't care about your fellow homo sapiens, then how about us animals? It seems uh, once upon a time... There were some accounts of people not playing nice, and it ended up with a bunch of us critters getting carted off two by two on the first cruise ship. Might have worked back then, but remember, they only had less than ten humans on the Ark to accommodate. Today, y'all clock in at eight billion. Eight billion. (laughs) Looks like... (sighs) We're going to need a bigger life boat.